This morning's reading is taken from John chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Ollie Benyon and I'm one of the associate vicars here and I want to extend a warm welcome to you, if, especially if you are joining us for the first time to one of our online services. Um, I'm, I'm married to Lois. We've been married for 13 years on Tuesday and we have uh, three little girls and we have been living in Cambridge and part of this church family for the last five years. And I think one of the, the successes of getting us in my relationship through those 13 years, one of those little things is, is the invention of sat-nav. I'm sure there's many relationships or friendships that have been uh, saved by this little invention. I remember the strain at the start of our relationship when we, when we didn't have this little invention and we had to revert to the use of a map. And still there's a few occasions when, when your phone battery dies. And, and you have to, to, to get that map out and work out where you're going. Now I see myself as a pretty laid back, understanding kind of guy, but the minute maybe I, I, I get lost and Lois, my wife, starts to explain how I went wrong and how I could have done some things differently, a, a, a black cloud descends over me and I, and I actually just do exactly the opposite of what she's directing me to do. She'll be telling me, you should, you should stop. You, know, you should look at the map. You, you should even you know, maybe go and get some help, get some directions from someone. I'm like, no. I'm sure you've all experienced needing to be somewhere, but not quite knowing how to get there. Well, as we read our passage today, we see Jesus is with his disciples and they're in the upper room. And Jesus is saying to them that he's soon to be going away. And to a place, and at the moment they, they can't follow him. And I, can, I guess you can understand the disciples' curiosity in asking Jesus, you know, where are you going? And Jesus says this in verses 2 to 4 in John chapter 14. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place I am going. Now, it was the question of a doubting man, a man called Thomas, who didn't like the uncertainty of not having clear directions that provoked one of the greatest things Jesus ever said. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? 
was verse 5. And in verse 6, Jesus replied, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Today, I just want to look at how we can find hope during troubled times. And that is through the person of Jesus. We're all going through some pretty troubling times at the moment. Uh, and we may find ourselves even longing for those days that when all we had to think about and worry about was, was what was going to happen with Brexit and, and the backstop. I'm almost missing that word, uh, Brexit. Almost. I don't know how you are doing at the moment. Maybe you're enjoying a slightly slower pace of life. Or maybe you're feeling anxious about loved ones that you, that you are unable to go and see. Or you are kept awake at night wondering how to meet your financial obligations because you don't have a job or maybe you've lost your job. Or maybe you're grieving a friend or a loved one who has, who's passed away. Or being driven mad by homeschooling or struggling with isolation and loneliness. Whatever your situation, these words of Jesus are some of the most hopeful words ever said. They are words that are often spoken at a funeral service because they speak of a future hope that we can all receive, all look forward to. So if you are searching for meaning, for, for purpose, for, for hope, from freedom, from, from worry or fear about tomorrow, then look no further than coming to Jesus. Because he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I'm just going to focus on that little verse. The first thing I want to say is, Jesus says is, I am the way. What Jesus is saying is, I and no other am the way to the truth and the life. So you can forget about Jesus just being a good moral teacher. This claim is huge and not, not something we, we can just brush over and ignore. Within the Western world and maybe the last uh, two centuries or so, this saying of Jesus has become one of the most controversial things he, he ever said. To say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, how dare Jesus say this? You know, how dare John or the church or anyone else put these type of words in anyone's mouth? Isn't it the height of arrogance to imagine that Jesus or anyone else was the only way? I was told by a friend who told me that, that the exclusivity of Jesus' teachings was the reason why uh, his parents were not Christians. It's seen as narrow-minded and arrogant to claim that, that you have all the right answers. Rabbi Shmuley Botek reflected this on this attitude towards Christians uh, who believe this when he said this, I am absolutely against any religion that says that one faith is superior to another. I don't see how that is anything different than spiritual racism. It's a way of saying that we are closer to God than you and that, that uh, that's what leads to hatred. Now, this is 
quite a common opinion today. We live in a world that demands uh, religious kind of uh, kind of religious tolerance, where exclusive claims are are politically incorrect and, and offensive to those who, who don't believe them. We live in a day of of endless options and choices of how we live out our lives. If it's mortgage or rent, if it's uh, marriage or, or a partner, if it's a degree or masters or Netflix, Amazon Prime or Sky Plus or all three of them. We come to expect the same choice in the spiritual arena as well. You know, Christianity is just another option in the, in the great buffet table of life. People don't seem to mind you saying that Jesus is the Son of God, but they do seem to mind if you say Jesus is the only Son of God. Ultimately, Many people believe that most religions are the same and they have you know, different paths that lead to God. Like when you go off route in your car journey and helpfully it, it kind of reroutes you and takes you to the same destination all the same. Well, Jesus is telling us there aren't different routes to the Father. There is no GPS that is pulling us back on track when we go down a different route. There is only one way. And it's through Jesus. C.S. Lewis, he said this. Unlike any other faith, Christianity is a gospel of peace and not one of works. Every other religion involves us doing something to earn God's favour. Gaining enough credit to get into heaven. Some religions require us to use a Tibetan prayer wheel or go on pilgrimages or do certain number of good deeds or even avoid eating certain foods. You see, other religions are essentially do it yourself and earn your way into heaven. Follow these steps and you'll have a good chance of receiving salvation. But there is no guarantee. This is mankind reaching out to God. Christianity teaches that it's not down to us to get into heaven. Nothing we do on this earth will improve our chances, as we can't pay the price of entry that our sin has created. Instead, through Jesus, we have God reaching out to us, and all we have to do is receive him. And I love this picture. It's a great picture of the gospel, of God reaching out to us. And so wherever you are, whatever situation you're in right now, that is a picture of what God is doing. He's reaching out to us. And all you have to do is receive him. Say, yes, I want to follow you. This gospel message that we're talking about is exclusive. Jesus says, I am the way. The second thing is he says that I am the truth. The Roman emperor Marcus Aurelius said this, everything we hear is an opinion, not a fact. Everything we see is perspective not the truth. But we see in this Gospel of John that the word truth is spoken 25 times. On every occasion, it speaks about Jesus being the truth. In this statement, I am the truth, Jesus wants you to know that everything he says and does is true and genuine. One problem of living in a fallen world is it's hard to know 
what is true and genuine, what we're supposed to build our lives on. You know, just pick up a magazine, flick on the TV, and you'll find promises that will, you know, make your hair get thicker, or your, your body thinner, or your skin younger. Well, Jesus came to a world to say, build your life on my teachings. Trust in what I say alone, for I am the truth. Now this again, it is a hugely controversial statement because people really struggle with the exclusivity of it. As much as people like to say there is no such thing as truth or your truth is yours, but you know, my truth is different. Truth does exist and in itself is exclusive. There are universal truths in a world. Two plus two equals four, not 22. You jump off your house, you will be hit by the truth of gravity. It would be, narrow, it would be arrogant and narrow-minded if, uh, if there were many paths to God and Christians would say, hey, but our path is the best path. Join our path. But that's not what the Bible teaches. It says there is only one truth, not many, and that is through Jesus. Now, I'm reliably informed by my wife that childbirth um, is somewhat painful, um, both to, to the baby, the mother, and from memory also my hand. Um, now, at the birth of uh, one of my children, uh, they, they, had, they had jaundice, and we were told to put our baby under some light. And so I remember having her in a little, little bed inside, kind of outside, kind of sunbathing for long periods of time just to, to get the color back. But I'm also aware that some children need a little bit more intervention and they're asked to put under a UV light, uh, which kind of, I don't know, I imagine like a tanning shop, little glasses, you know, just to, to get the liver working and getting the problem fixed. Now, imagine the doctor came to Lois and I and told us what we needed to do to, to help our newborn baby. And we could say, well, that, that just sounds too silly. It's far too easy. In fact, it's downright ridiculous way to cure a baby, put it under light. Uh, we think it'd be better to scrub the little girl with you know, soap and water, maybe, maybe plunge them into a bit of bleach. Surely that would get restore their color. And if we said that, the doctor would say, you know, probably say, no, you don't understand. That won't work. There is only one way to cure your baby, and, it, and it's this way. We could still ignore their advice and say, well, doctor, that's, you know, maybe if we leave it, it will go away. You know, that is your truth. It's not our truth. If we hold on to our truth, then, then surely that, you know, things will work out just fine. The doctor say, mate, is going to say, you know, you're going to jeopardize the life of your baby. There is only one truth in all of this, one way to cure your baby. It may sound all too easy, but, but look at my credentials on the wall. I've studied at medical school. I've, I've done countless uh, uh, yeah, treatments of babies in this situation. Trust me on this. I know what I'm doing. Now, would anyone accuse us if, of being intolerant or narrow-minded if, if we went with the doctor's advice? Well, I don't think so. You know, that is acting rationally with the evidence that is presented to us. The fact is every human being on this planet has a terminal illness, which is called sin. And sin ultimately 
separates us from God. It stops us having a relationship with God. And the reason followers of Jesus cling so tightly to the teachings of Jesus and to following him is they, they, they believe they have found a cure for their illness through Jesus. Now, we could try and scrub away at our sin with our own good works and own good deeds, uh, but that would not work. We could truly believe there are other ways of dealing with this sin, but we would be wrong. Or we could simply ignore it and hope the problem would stop, you know, cease to exist. But it won't. The truth is, only Jesus has a cure for our sin. Only he has the credentials to back it up. He came to earth to be our saviour, to live a perfect life and to, to, to take our sin, you know, our punishment, by dying on the cross for us. But death, it could not hold him. And after three days, we celebrated on Easter, Jesus rose from the dead. Through him, we can now come to the Father as forgiven children of God. This is the amazing uh, truth, the amazing grace of the gospel. And it is available to anyone and everyone who comes to Jesus. My, my father, he writes um, a blog and in um, one of his entries, he mentions a significant moment that caused him to believe in this incredible, this kind of miracle of the resurrection. He says that years ago, he knew the great Chuck Colson. Uh, Chuck Colson was a special counsel to Richard Nixon and he was found guilty in the Watergate scandal. He went to prison, and, but then later started up prison fellowship. And um, in his book, Born Again, Chuck wrote that in the Watergate scandal in June 1972, he, along with six other men, the Watergate Seven, conspired to lie to the world that Nixon did not know about the break-in into the Democratic National Committee. And it took just one week for this conspiracy to fall apart. One by one, the Seven could no longer uh, uh, bear the deception that they had uh, kind of uh, spread. And so they went to the special prosecutor to admit that they had lied. Colson concluded from his own experience that Jesus' disciples simply couldn't have conspired to lie to the Roman authorities about the resurrection when the penalty for that lie was crucifixion. Why would they do such a thing? To die for a lie is completely contrary to, to human nature. So Colson concluded the disciples, they just had to be telling the truth. Jesus did rise from the dead. They saw him and they were prepared to die for that truth. And I can even know it, even in my life, at the, at the young age of 10, I became convinced of this truth, that Jesus was and is alive and I could know him today. You know, I had heard this gospel message. I've seen some of these, read some of these accounts of, of, of the resurrection. Um, I, you know, I, and I decided then and there to, to, to give my life to Jesus. And it's easy to think, you know, I, you know think, I was only young. How could I possibly know, you know, what path to take, that this really is the truth at such a young age? However, I was 
really impacted by seeing members of my family, my, my parents, my older brother, my sister, um, who, uh, who all heard the same gospel message and all committed to following this Jesus during the same week, all at the same time. And this decision that, that happened in my family right then completely transformed all our lives and continues to do so today. I remember uh, going back to school knowing that, knowing that what had happened had completely changed my life. And, um, uh, but I also knew that if I, if I start speaking about my faith, that might not get the best reception. That that was my equivalent of being martyred for my faith. But I was so convinced, so utterly transformed by uh, what I had heard that I, I risked my reputation, my little young person's reputation, and started telling people about Jesus. And it didn't always go well. Sometimes I got a bit of grief, but on some occasions, others listened and received it and uh, became Christians themselves. 30 years on, I'm still convinced still being changed, still wanting to tell others uh, uh, that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So if you don't know Jesus today, then I encourage you to consider if Jesus really is telling the truth and is the Son of God. You know, we have uh, an event evening coming up on the 16th of July where you can try Alpha, now, Alpha is a is a like a long like a ten week course that we're going to be um, running in September. But this uh, and this is an opportunity for you to explore the Christian faith, to have a meal. Uh, if it's online, it'll be you uh, watching a video on uh, at home and having a small group discussion and um, and asking any question that you might have. But on the sixth of July, we're just having a taster evening, one evening online, where you can come and explore and and hear a talk called "Is There More to Life Than This." And I really encourage you to go and find out more. And you can go on our website to sign up for that event. As I said at the start, many people, you know, they struggle with or get offended with this bold statement, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. To follow Jesus it requires us to let go of making our own ways, our, our own truths, uh, uh, but instead to look to Jesus and let him guide us, let him teach us, let him invite, advise us in the way we, where we to, to live. In these troubled times where many of us have lost a lot of things that we, we put our trust in, those things maybe feeling like they're crumbling away at the moment, well, Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he's knocking and he's saying, I want to know you. Will, you. will you let him in? I love these verses in Matthew 11. This is a, a, slight, a message version, which is a slightly informal version of the Bible reading. But Jesus says this, he says this, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Giving control to Jesus, it is difficult, I admit that. But I have and I'm still learning that he knows best 
and through him you can receive life and life to the full. So are you tired? Are you worn out? Maybe you're burned out on religion. Are you struggling with fear, depression, anxiety or even loneliness? Are you weighed down by your sin or some regrets in your path? Whatever stage you're at, come to Jesus and receive his amazing grace for the forgiveness of your sins. He's your good shepherd and will guide you. For Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. We're now going to hear a, a short testimony, another short testimony from uh, someone who's been impacted by this, this person, Jesus, and uh, how that's impacted their lives.